The Guardian. The joy of ebooks is that great stories are just a click away. For our podcast listeners, we have a great offer on Luke Harding's book Mafia State, a menacing tale of life as a journalist in present-day Russia. I'll tell you more at the end of the show. Hello, it's Music Weekly. I'm Kieran Yates, and coming up on today's programme, Michael talks to the Jim Jones Review as they reveal their five wildest rock and roll records of all time. Swedish indie popper Jens Lekman explains why he's so adorable, and Rebecca brings Mumford & Sons back down to earth with a bump. Plus, there's three more songs to review in Singles Club, all here on Music Weekly from The Guardian. So, no Alexis this week, but we are joined by Michael Han and Rebecca Nicholson from the Music Desks. Michael, where exactly is Alexis? Alexis, I think, is off interviewing Pete Townsend. Is he going to be a fanboy about it? I don't know if Alexis will be a fanboy about Pete Townsend. <laughs> but you never know, he's Pete Townsend, he was in The Who. I know that doesn't matter to you, Kieran, but, <laughs> but there, are, there are elderly men across Britain who are celebrating at hearing that news. What's been happening in the music world this week... Rebecca, have you got anything for us? Um, well, the Smiths are never, ever, ever getting back together, as Taylor Swift <laughs> sang. And All Saints. <laughs> and All Saints. <laughs> Do you think Morrissey's just borrowing bits for his statements? He's doing a kind of cut-and-paste job from recent pop. It wasn't just never, ever, though, was it? It was never, ever, 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 ever. Like some uh, particularly stroppy six-year-old in the playground. I'm never, ever, 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 ever <laughs> going to be Johnny Marr's friend again. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Michael? Are you a big Smiths fan? I, I, I was a very big Smiths fan when I was a teenager, when they spoke directly to my soul in right. a clear and unmediated way. But I did see them live a couple of times, and I was never that bowled over by them live. Although, I have to say, I was talking to Jeff Travis of Rough Trade the other week and telling him this, and he said, well, that's because you saw them too late. <laughs> you know, really, it was it was eighty three, eighty four when the Smiths were really on fire live. Okay, fair enough. I was too young then, though. <laughs> I had the exact opposite thing about the Smiths to you. I didn't like them when I was younger. I hated Morrissey's voice, and it took me a few years of getting older and listening to lots of music to realise that actually he could get away with it. It helped that Johnny Marr was amazing too. I mean, the records sound great. They've got proper tunes and all that stuff. What's that like? (laughs) (laughs) Don't goad me, Kieran. (laughs) Yeah, what else has been happening? Well, Godspeed You Black Emperor, um, in exciting news for for fans of Canadian post-rock anarchism, are releasing a new album. But what's kind of amazing about it is the way that this news broke out, which was fans attending their gig at the Orpheum Theatre in Boston on Monday night may have approached the merch table if they wanted to buy a t-shirt and there they would have seen for the first time unannounced to anyone the new Godspeed You Black Emperor record on vinyl and it's a kind of really interesting paradigm of how the way music is released is changing and how for groups where there is a sense of event around them like Godspeed you can do this sort of thing like Radiohead did within Rainbows and Jack White does with his records just spring them up on the world no build up, no hype, no worry about that Now, Godspeed are doing it in conjunction with their record label, Constellation, but it's it's still a really interesting way to release a record. It will finally get into the shops, I think, in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, until then, it's only those lucky people who are going to the gigs who will get to hear it. 
Or maybe this is cracking the whole conundrum on how to sell records. Or maybe you just don't sell them. I mean, later on in Singles Club, we'll be talking about Death Grips, who has had an unusual unusual way of getting his music out to the public this week, which resulted in his website being shut down. I I keep thinking Death Grips is one person, but in fact, it's the whole group, isn't it? It's the, the rapper and the producers. Yep. Unusual and fantastic. And one other music story to talk about this week, Rebecca... Tell us about Mumford and Sons. My favourite band, Mumford and Sons. Yes. Because <laughs> um, see your face light up there. <laughs> they have had the fastest selling record of the year uh, with Babel, their new album, not just here, uh, but in the US as well, where I wouldn't have necessarily thought their kind of bucolic English folk sounds would carry. But yeah, everyone likes them, even Barack Obama. And I learned this because they were on Front Row last night talking uh, about their album and Wolf Hall. That's the kind of band they are. Straight into number one in the States, selling 600,000 copies in a week in an age when no one sells records. And Babel has been the the most streamed record in a single week on Spotify. Really? Apparently smashed their records. The baffling thing is, virtually all music writers work on the assumption the entire world hates Mumford & Sons, but clearly they don't, do they? They actually really, really like Mumford & Sons. Now, I, I'm not a big fan, but I don't understand the hatred for them. I mean, maybe that's because I am white and English and middle class like Mumford and Sons <laughs> and therefore it will be self-hating of me to, to despise them. But it sounds like you two might not be huge fans. Perhaps you can enlighten me. I just find them musically very boring, you know, aside from all of all of that stuff. Just sonically, I just find it boring. They are, they are just very white, male, middle class and English. They're the demographic. It's all part of this new kind of royal wedding marks and spencer middle class englishness that's being celebrated that really makes me sick it's not the kind of thing that got me fired up about music when i was a kid and i find it really sad that this is the kind of thing that kids listen to and think this is music i suppose it isn't i want some kind of rebellion i don't want something that fits into the system so well you know i think i'm not celebrating this kind of old-fashioned idea of what rock and roll should be but this really is the antithesis of it all, and that's why I have a problem but, with but them. But then, Rebecca, there's the possibility that the people, that some of the, say kids, will play the example of kids rather than people in their 30s, who are buying Mumford & Sons record, are also buying rebellious and confrontational stuff, because music caters to our many moods, <laughs> without one sound too much like Val Dunican. I mean, because I, I had you know ludicrous American noise records alongside very gentle country and folk records when I was ludicrous. 16. I didn't. As I didn't. Leader. <laughs> ludicrous when I was a teenager ludicrous was probably not even born um, so I, I think it, it, it can be possible to embrace both I mean but the baffling thing is why so many people have gone so bonkers for Mumford exactly. and Sons it's so safe safe maybe we'll just want to be safe in these troubling times mm-hmm. we want an aural embrace from exactly. Marcus Mumford what a thought <laughs> So, moving on, Michael, I gather you've been speaking to the Jim Jones Review. Yep, the Jim Jones Review, middle-aged white men. Um, <laughs> actually, I first saw Jim Jones on stage more than 20 years ago, near a quarter, quarter of a century ago, when he was fronting a group called The Hypnotics, who sounded like the Stooges and the MC5. He seemed to vanish a bit from music and has returned in the last few years fronting the Jim Jones Review, who... Well, they more or less sound like 1956, but made much, much faster and much, much louder. For my money, they're the most exciting live group in the country right now, if you like guitars. And uh, I asked, asked them about their five wildest rock and roll records of all time and about their brand new album.
Now let's go through your five wireless rock and roll records in chronological order. Let's start with The Girl Can't Dance by Bunker Hill, backed by Link Ray and his Ray Men. Now I'd never heard of Bunker Hill until right. you sent this selection in. He was a, he was like, I mean he was like a template for when we first started the band, you know, and we were feeling our way out around it. We first started playing some little Richard numbers like Hey Hey Hey, and it came across with such velocity. And we we're listening to other stuff, and Bunker Hill was one of the things that we were, God, right? He's doing something close to where we got to get to, and uh, you know, I don't know what it is, Jim. Is it like two hundred BPM or something? We played he sets it one, the bar, yeah, basically, it's just for, astonishing for considering. You know, that's probably was it late. 50s? 50s, early 60s, it just sets the bar for like the attack and the approach. It was like take no prisoners. And yeah. we, we actually heard from talking to Mark Lamar, who knew a bit about Bunker Hill, told us that he was a prize fighter. Yeah, he, he, he was a heavyweight. He yeah, was on 16 yeah. bouts and beaten in eight or something yeah. like that. So, I mean, it's like something like, and, and obviously gifted with this fantastic sort of, you know, gospel voice, you know, and he just like hammers into the tune with relentlessly, you know. I mean, like, I've tried singing various covers by other people, but like Bunker Hill, you like you need an oxygen tank waiting for you at the end of it. You, you can only imagine what, what the, the studio engineer must be like. No, you can't do this. Everything's in the red. Just stop. It's brilliant. Yeah. If, you, if you delve really deep onto YouTube, we played that song once as a cover version and it was filmed, but it's very hard to find on YouTube, but it is there somewhere if you look deep enough. Did you do it justice? You well, we you. just turned it into a wall of feedback. <laughs> it wasn't so, it's only so far you can go with it, isn't it's it? It's one of those <laughs> things you need a week's wall Morning and a yeah. sort of a 20 meter run up to <laughs> hit, it, hit it with the right velocity. Now, moving on to your next one. I just don't know by the MC5. So, with the MC5, is it before they got into free jazz that you prefer? Um, I think it, it all, like the MC5, everything about them is pretty cool. Towards the last album, with the, some of the costumes that they're wearing, you know, is uh, maybe a little bit questionable. But you can't question their, their playing and the intensity that they play it. And that real, I mean, they really embody that whole Detroit sound. I think them and the Stooges, their chord changes sound like gear changes of a, in a hot rod muscle car. It's just one riff, thrashed to pieces. For me, I'd have loved to have heard back in the USA if it had been given a decent production. That's the one with yeah. the songs for me. But mm. Apparently it was done like that so that it would sound better on the radio at the time, which was quite sort of bassy sounding radio, you know, before transistors kicked in and radios were all tinny and bright, you know, they're all warm and lovely and uh apparently the production was made a bit bright like that so that it would cut through 
Yeah. It was done by John Landau. I didn't get much in the way of production right, jobs yeah. after, but he seemed to do all right for himself. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he must have known someone. <laughs> The third song, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell by Iggy and the Stooges from Raw Power. Now, the Stooges the studio and MC5 on this list, I mean, it seems like the Jim Jones review might actually be in a midway point between Memphis and Detroit. Those are two poles that you're trying to bring yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone really knows what the Stooges are all about. This is just like a great example. This is a track that really hits the ground running, you know, from, from the split second it starts. It's already, like, gone too far, you know, and it's just sort of belligerent, angry rock and roll. I believe the song's about like a girl who done him wrong. They always are. <laughs> and, we, and he needed a teller about it with uh, James Williamson backing him up on that sort of pornographic guitar. You know, I mean, it really is brutal. I think it's a testament to the power of the record and the playing on it that, you know, it's still such a really powerful piece of music now. You know, all these years past it, and we were lucky to play with the, what is now the Stooges a, a couple of years ago in Australia, and it was just phenomenal just to see, you know, they're obviously getting on a bit older now, but just to see James Williamson playing. Jim and I often talk about that, that real power and how impenetrable the production is, but when you get there and you can pull something out of it, especially when you're listening as a guitarist, it's like a workout, you know, listening to that and trying to play along with it. It's just that insane, basically. What's well, how Johnny Marr learned to play guitar, wasn't it? Playing along to Raw Power. It's Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> never heard the Smiths sound like Raw Power. <laughs> Worse, because they take it and they turn it into something yes, completely no, different. I'm sure, yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm sure that I'm sure the delivery's there. But yeah, yeah, I mean... I heard that a few times. Yeah, He's a big the, fan of James. The intensity of James Williamson is just unreal. I mean, it's only really for that, that, that album. The stuff he did mm. with Iggy afterwards isn't quite that intense. But. From the sound of it, he plays as well, a lot like, which is uh, sort of famously Chuck Berry. All downstrokes, which kind of, uh, you know, again, ties into someone else, Johnny Ramone, you know, that, that, that particular sound, that kind of... It makes it so much more brutal. Yeah, yeah, and it is. It's like you're straining to mm. do it. It sort of almost puts in that pushing yourself. I think a lot of rock and roll is like that. You've got to, you have to push outside your comfort zone to sort of like f- for the music to reveal itself to you. If you don't commit to it, it just it won't open up to you. On to your fourth record, yeah. Rise Above by Black Flag. Now, I was a little surprised to see Black Flag in here. I don't think of you as a band that 
come from hardcore in any way. I Although would. I guess it's loud and extreme, it fits in. The thing yeah. is, like, when everyone, anyone talks to us, it's always like, oh, Jerry Lee, you know, Little Richard, all that stuff, which is kind of obviously there, you know, but we thought it's an opportunity to talk about, like, I mean, there's quite a wide breadth of music that we listen to and are inspired by and sort of comes through the filter when we're writing songs and working on stuff. And so we thought, you know, we should just sort of, like, maybe push out a little bit further and let people in on because I think that's what this new record's a bit like it's a bit like taking the ball of psychosis and digging into the center of it and you know getting to have a look at where where it's all coming from so Black Flag have been a big influence on me since I first heard them when they came out and along with bands like Dead Kennedys and Minor Threat and you know that US hardcore scene I think was really influential because they created their own scene. It wasn't fashionable in America to play that kind of music in the early 80s like it was in London in the late 70s. And they made their own gigs, their own labels and all the rest of it. And I found that really, really fascinating in terms of, like, you know, not having anything to do with the industry. But the, mu- I th- but the musically, especially with Rise Above, I think that's a, a natural progression. And there's very few bands that have done this from Raw Power. And, you know, taking that guitar sound and then taking it one step further, you know, the solo in the middle of that is just insane. It starts off in Chuck Berry and then just goes somewhere completely different. And I think, yeah, it's a hugely influential record. And your final choice? Sometimes Pleasure Heads Must Burn by The Birthday Party, the live version from Drunk on the Pope's Blood. Tell me about the birthday party. To me personally, I've never ever seen a live performance as I saw with a birthday party in terms of intensity and just like, especially as a you know very young fan of music, going to see that was see the birthday party for the first time was for me like seeing the Rolling Stones in the early sixties or whatever. It just took my head clean off from Rolling House, chain smoking to Nick Cave, jumping into the crowd and beating up members of the audience and the intensity of the music. You know, I, I had to have about three or four years off after the birthday party split up from listening to any kind of modern day rock music because it made no sense to me after that. Drunk on the Pope's Blood when it came out was just the most intense live record I've ever heard. You know, there's a version of Loose on there, the Stooges song, which kind of goes back to what we were talking a little earlier about. And sometimes Pleasure Heads Must Burn, it's, it's just insane. It's that point of taking, you know, an extreme kind of music and just pushing it further and further and further. And I still can't really articulate in words what it was like seeing the birthday party live, but it's stuck with me ever since. It had a very, very profound effect. Bringing it back to Jim Jones' review, the intensity is what comes over when you play live. Now... How hard is it, though, to summon that? I mean, it's one thing if you're a pissed-off Australian heroin addict in one room in Earl's Court and you're seething with anger about London, but with all due respect, the Jim Jones Review are not the youngest of bands in the world, and yet you still put it out there every night. Where do you get it from? There's a lot of things that sort of pivot on that idea, but um, one of them is that the chemistry of the band is so good, and I just think that everyone in the band kind of wants to play like that. 
even if one member at one time doesn't, the rest of them have this, you know, inertia that will make the whole thing work and you get sort of dragged along in the strips, slipstream. You know, I said quite early on, when, you, when you're playing this kind of music, if you don't give everything, you can't take it seriously. It doesn't, it doesn't get off the ground. You're just stuck on the runway forever. And we just got used to it now. We're kind of yeah. conditioned. And when we start playing, it kind of sounds okay. And then everyone kind of, you know, looks at each other and goes, all right, you know, Warp Factor 3, you know, and you put a bit more into it, a bit more of yourself into it, and suddenly it sort of comes to that mo moment from Frankenstein, it's alive, you know, where you sort of, you, raise, you literally raise it off the slab. Otherwise, it would... It would just kind of lie lie there, you know. I think it adds its own momentum that picks you up, as Jim was saying, but I've had food poisoning before a show where I can't, you know, I can't move. And then you come to do the show and then just the adrenaline and everything else just picks you up and it moves you through it, you know, and then you die at the end of the show. But I mean, that's like, and I've, you know, for, it just, you just appear to be dragged along with it. I think it's, it's hard to put your finger on, really. But we don't know any other way of doing it. That was the Jim Jones Review talking to Michael Han. And it says here that The Savage Heart by the Jim Jones Review is released on the 15th of October on Play It Again Sam. And their UK tour begins on Monday in Cardiff. Right, time for Singles Club. Rebecca, let's hear your choice. That is Solange with Losing You. Uh, thanks for bringing that in, Rebecca. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I brought it in so that everyone would do the kind of shoulder-shrugging desk dance that has just happened in front <laughs> of our very eyes. Um, I've been looking forward to seeing what Solange was going to come back with for quite a while. I really enjoyed her last album, yeah. uh, Solange and the Hadley Street Dreams. Uh, but that was more kind of straightforward classic R&B actually this sounds quite a bit 80s Madonna mm -hmm. little bit Velvet Rope Janet Jackson it's produced by Dev Hines who was a test icicle and uh, Lightspeed Champion and subsequently Blood Orange I got worried that considering all the people she had been rumoured to be working with so Dev um, and also of Montreal and people like that yeah. I did kind of have this concern that it might be a hipster pop thing that lacked a bit of what I really liked about her mm -hmm. but actually I just think this is great it is a bit hipster but it's just but it whatever. makes me happy it makes me very happy I like that it makes you happy though it's quite thoroughly depressing really <laughs> well <laughs> yeah talking about heartbreak it's one of those songs loss. isn't it that sneaks that in kind of the video is all kind of sunny and it's loads of friends hanging out and of course the lyrics are sad is this the yeah. video at a South African township a happy one. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying that people can't be happy in townships, you know. 
What did you Aren't think, they Michael? On bikes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, they must be happy. They got bicycles. Uh, I, I always want Solange to be a little bit more bonkers um, than the records actually sound. I do really like this. However, you know, you think new Solange record, right? This is going to be the one that's way out there that makes Janelle Monet look like some kind of. S Club 7 refuse Nick. Yeah. And in fact, as Rebecca says, it's a fairly straightforward 80s R&B thing. But it's expertly done and it's got hand claps. I love hand claps. Why pe- more people don't use hand claps, which are the cheapest and best percussion of all, I don't know. Yeah, I like it. I think it's clever because it's not like a real mass. It's not a really massive dance track. It's not this heart wrenching ballad. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a gentle slope. And yeah, like you said, it creeps and it feels like what she's talking about, you know, it's that kind of anti-climax of heartbreak and losing you when you're sort of waiting to feel something, but actually it just sort of happens quite slowly, doesn't it? It sounds like it was made to be played on the radio. Yeah. It's, I mean, I didn't know that Dev Hines produced it. And if you hadn't said that, I would have assumed that, you know, they got in some American super producer to, hey, I know how we can get this thing on all the stations. <laughs> Interesting, because to me it doesn't sound like that. I think it sounds quite cheap, but in a in a sort of deliberate DIY kind of way. It's, good. it's, just, uh, it's just so inoffensive, isn't it? I just I wish that well, yeah, that's sort never of, good though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I sort of feel like I wish she was a bit more feisty on it, like a bit bolshy, but yeah. But I have to say, as soon as soon as I heard it for the first time, I've had it in my head ever since. It's incredibly catchy. Yeah, I won't sing it. <laughs> sing Rebecca, <laughs> sing for us. <laughs> no one needs to hear that. Next up. Michael's choice. I'm not pathetic amnesia. I've been Jimmy Page's castle. I'm off the planet. Echo Astro. Final Lasso. This Echo Astro. I'm not down for anything. Fuck away to say anything. My stone rock is down. Okay, duck tape to the challenge. Take okay. Make me Ellie. Okay, okay. Feel me. I'm in an eight hour. Made a building. No daylight. One midnight. Lamb late. 24-7. Mother got windows. Do access. That is Death Grips with Come Up and Get Me. Yeah, based on uh, the traditional nursery rhyme, here we go round the mulberry bush. (laughs) Not really. Um, I am, of course, Mr. Classic Rock, Kieran, and the reason I brought that record in, because there appears to be a lyrical reference to Jimmy Page's castle. Jimmy Page, of course, the guitarist of Led Zeppelin, who I interviewed the other week in what was an outstanding moment of my life, and that's all. No, not really. Um, The reason I picked this um, is because of what happened with Death Grips this week. Um, Their new album is due out on Epic in the new year. Mm -hmm. Death Grips felt that was taking a little bit too long, so they leaked the whole album on their website, which then got shut down. They blamed it on Epic. Epic said, no, nothing to do with us. Frankly, I wouldn't like to speculate because Death Grips sound frankly unhinged and um, I'm not going to be caught disagreeing with them in a public place anywhere. But I think that's a really interesting thing that's happening with major labels at the moment because I keep talking to young groups on majors who say, it's all so slow, we can't get the record out, we've already moved on from this. By the time the record comes out, we'll be so bored by it all. And the majors just aren't keeping pace with the way that people want to release music, let alone the way people want to listen to music these days. As for the record itself, well, God, it's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I I like it. Sometimes I go back and listen to the kind of extreme guitar records that I listened to when I was a kid, and I have that kind of muscle memory of how extreme they sounded then. But compared to this stuff, they sound like jingle-jangle folk groups. I mean, I completely understand why a 16-year-old kid today who wanted something that sounded vicious and angry and confrontational would not go for a guitar record at all. Why would you when you can have something like this? And the the rapping on this record, if you can call it rapping, 
I mean, it sounds like a man at the end of his tether, which is what I believe pretty much he is. But it's just, it's extraordinary. I mean, this is something that no mainstream rappers ever come anywhere near in the levels of threat that are implicit in the delivery. Well, I think that that's been a trend that we've seen happening in rap and hip hop this year with what we've seen with kind of Zebra Cats and Flatbush Zombies and Angel Hayes and kind of and even Mickey Blanco, their queer rap contingent. All of them have got that kind of thrash rap, sort of apocalyptic, dystopian zombie stuff going on. And it's always really terrifying. And that's what I like about it. It just sounds completely unhinged. And like even in this, you can hear that hoarseness, you know, the, the kind of just so maniacal that it's just crazy hoarseness just saying mad things in this really sort of uncomfortable way i mean it helps as well that the, the backing like offers absolutely no concession to to tune or to <laughs> conventional meter or anything it's just awful i mean awful in a good way if that makes sense this awful scree of noise at you even though it's clearly done very cheaply and tinly you know with just a, a drum program and the the keyboard line that's it but it's enough to to make it sound like paranoia set to set to record. Yeah. I kept thinking of times it would be inappropriate to listen to it. Hangover, number one. Yep. Early in the morning, number two. Late in the day. <laughs> Long day at work. I've <laughs> just got home. It's been a tiring day. Walking just home me, on your own. Walking well. home on your own. Let yep. me put my feet up with a fish finger sandwich on the Death Roots <laughs> record. Cooking the tea. Yeah. yeah. Presumably you couldn't play this with like the kids in the house, Michael. There's quite a lot of swearing. Yes, I think I might avoid it. We, we've had a home moratorium on hip-hop, actually, since the first Wu-Tang Clan album, when my wife said, take that off, it's disgusting. Oh my God, you and poor children. And since then, new hip-hop has been absent from our house. It's golden age only. Oh my God. So I only get to listen to this awful. stuff at work. I once tried putting on the, the Eclipse album, um, Hell Hath No Fury. and I album. Yeah, I was, had to take it off within three seconds. Our kids will be listening to hip hop, right, Rebecca? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Are you two having kids? That's brilliant. <laughs> Guys, news. <laughs> um, yeah. What did you think? Did you like? Did you like the track, though, Rebecca? Oh, it's a bit much for me, honestly. I mean, having talked about it, I've got more excited about it than I actually was listening to it. I, I was in such a nice kind of post Solange reverie of pleasantness, and then this comes along, and it's mm-hmm, right. Calm down. And the and the penis pick. Did you see the penis? Yes, pick the, the artwork. Album? Oh, I didn't. Yeah. So for the the album artwork, it was just like gross looking penis with no love deep scrawled on it with a oh, magic marker. Oh, I did see the album cover. I just somehow failed to register with me that it was a gross looking penis. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what I thought it was then. Before we recorded this, I did uh, check on, to see if the website had gone back up, and yeah, it has. Oh, what a miracle! What a miracle. Wasn't at all an attention-grabbing stunt, was it? (laughs) No, but uh, this is a man who who shouts at the sky in the middle of the street, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah. Brixton High Street, man. (laughs) So, No Love Deep Web by Death Grips was released on the 1st of October, or was it released? Well, it wasn't actually released, was it? That's the thing, it leaked. It came out. They did it themselves. Okay. But this is the track that's all over YouTube. Well, not all over. It's on YouTube. It's it's the easiest one to find. Okay. Next up, here's my track. (laughs) 
taking you to sleep phase Close from overseas like a motherfucking crusade Crack rockin' you can hit it till your nose hurt Rooftop Brooklyn that was New York by Angel Hayes versus Jamie XX. It's called the 83rd Mashup. Yes, so that is Angel Hayes, who is a female femc, female rapper, whatever you might want to call her, from Michigan. But Fem- femc is that is is that the accepted term these yeah, days? Femc. Wow, I just never heard that. It's because I'm stuck in my world of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Yes, FEMC. Um, and she released a track called New York earlier in the year, which was also quite a scary, terrifying uh, track. And the video was basically her and all her girlfriends with masks on causing chaos and murder in the streets of New York. And this is a mashup because it was, uh, she sampled the Gil Scott Heron's uh, New York Is Killing Me, which was remixed by Jamie XX last year on the album called We're New Here. Um, and then this is a mashup, and I know mashups are a bit sort of old school and a bit cheesy now, but I think it's been enough time has passed for them to be a little bit cool. I don't know how you feel about that, but I love mashups, and that's one of the most exciting things about going out when you can hear two of your tracks being manipulated and warped in quite a nice way. So yeah, I just absolutely loved it. I love all the sort of stretched vocals. I loved all the kind of the way it sounds really urban in the truest sense of the words. It sounds quite. You know, there's that clanging, it sounds quite metally, it sounds quite hard-edged. Um, and then she comes in and she's just brilliant. What did you think? Well, for me, it it's kind of caught between the two extremes of this week's other two singles clubs. So hearing it in isolation, it feels a lot more interesting and unusual than hearing it between Solange and... Well, not between, but just after Solange and Death Grips, where you've got the conventional R&B ballad and the sonic extremity end of hip-hop. And this seems to sit somewhere in the middle of those two but I keep hearing amazing things about Angel Hayes not least from you Kieran but from other people too and I'm very much intrigued to see what is going to come next and I, I believe she's in London on Monday play yeah. is that right Hoxton Bar and Kitchen do you want to come should we all go yeah I'm, I'm going. going I'm going Yay. you're Michael. all going well, who knows? You're, you're Maybe I will. Now. Maybe yeah. I will in, in my come? in my tweed jacket, in my, <laughs> my sensible trousers, in my pipe in my pocket. <laughs> Did you like it, Rebecca? I liked New York, but when it first came out, but I wanted it to do something a bit more. I felt like the production was a bit flat. She's obviously great, but it just felt like it wasn't quite as good as it could be. And somehow this makes it work. This really gives it a bit of a boost. And I really like the fact that he slows down the vocals to start with, so it sounds like a man rapping, and then she comes in, well, essentially she comes in again, but at her normal pitch, and it makes it this kind of weird duet. But, yeah, I think it's really great. She's duetting with herself. I don't know who did the mashup. Do um, we know? Oh no, I don't know. I thought it was her, and I thought it was like ah. her sort of production. I don't. There's I not don't like know. a kingdom type it. or anything. He's my favourite with mashups at the moment. Really? Oh, that was the most grandma phrase. <laughs> He's my favourite with the mashups. <laughs> <laughs> I like, he does a similar thing, and I think I like really Michael great. describing death grips as the, at the end of their tether. <laughs> They're going to be sent to bed with no tea. It's to the naughty step for you, death grips. Michael's don't, had enough. Don't shout at me like that, young man. Enunciate. <laughs> um, yes, good. That uh, that was Angel Hayes, and she's playing Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen on the 8th of October, and that just about wraps it up for Singles Club. Thank you, Michael and Rebecca. Let's have a read through the postbag after last week's show, which featured David Rodigan. 
Viking Bone says, I used to listen to Rodigan on Radio London. It was an education. I still have lots of cassettes on these shows and his jingles were different class. And he's quoted a bit of Rodigan, which I'm not even going to attempt, but it says, a platter that matters, some wax to attack you. Just imagine I was saying that in Patois. Uh, yeah, what did you think of the show? Are you Rodigan fans? Reggae has never strictly <laughs> been my thing, but David Rodigan is a fascinating man. You can listen to him talking about anything. DJ Selector. Yeah. I, I, I think I was supposed to be on the show last week and got bumped at the last minute for Rodigan. I thought, if you're going to get bumped, <laughs> get bumped for Rodigan. The badge of honour. Yeah. I can take it. Exactly. He was, yeah, he was wicked. Tobias Pegg says, The piece on Tim Charlatan, I think he means Tim Burgess, ran like a replay on his entire career. A boatload of bland. Having said that, fair play to him for doing his own thing, ploughing through his own musical field for over 20 years now. I have a huge amount of respect for that. Sounds a bit like sarcasm to me, Tobias, but whatever. <laughs> You're crap, but I really respect you. <laughs> That's backhanded. <laughs> Uh, thanks for all your comments keep leaving your thoughts at guardian.co.uk forward slash music weekly now I can count the number of Swedish indie pop singer songwriters on the thumbs of one hand his name is Jens Lekman and he's been churning out Scott Walker Bell and Sebastian style songs since 2004 and this month he released his third album I Know What Love Isn't is full of the Morrissey style vocals that have made him a bit of a surprise hit in the UK here's Jens to explain himself I think the way your voice sounds often influences what direction you take. Because, I mean, I remember being 14 and playing in my friend's punk band. And I just could not scream. It just sounded really terrible. Every cell in this body has been replaced since I last saw you. But the memory is in the DNA and through the vessels when I started looking at the songs that I had written I started realizing that there was some sort of golden thread running through the songs and I had a lot of problems with that because I also had the songs for the EP that I released last year and those songs just did not fit together and it made me realize that I really had to start look into how an album could become an actual album and how a track list could work and which songs did not work. And I really had to do some serious editing, which was very new to me and very fascinating. It's, it really felt like a circle I had to go through because I did not intend to make an album like that. And I had to start and just go in this big circle and. This, this, it, the album feels like a circle to me. Even the, the cover, you know, is a circle. So. I've always liked the idea of it. A relationship doesn't lie about it. A lot of disco is very seductive with the beautiful string I mean I like the kind of disco that's like has beautiful string arrangements over 
a nice percussive groove, you know. And yes, often when it's it's a little bit sad, it deals with something a little bit sad. When I was making the last record, Night Falls, I was thinking the opposite way. I was thinking, this is the chorus, now I need to have 200 trumpets here to to mark that this is the chorus, otherwise people won't get it, or otherwise it won't feel like a chorus. And I was really struggling with that when I made the last record. And when I listen to it today, even though I love the songs, I, I feel like... What was I thinking? Like, I didn't need to put 200 trumpets and strings and everything in there. It would have been enough to just have a flute and a tambourine. I wanted it to feel like when you're in an airplane and you're taxing down the runway and you look away and all of a sudden you look out the window again and you're already in the air. That's a noticeable feeling of already having taken off, you know. I want to make some sort of record that is not about me because I'm kind of sick of this Jens Lekman character being me. I think it's nice stepping out of your own shoes for a while because I have a really good communication with my listeners. And they're sending me all these stories and I'm, I keep thinking these are great stories for songs. So at some point I would love to make a record of their stories. That was Jens Lechman in an interview by Laura Barton. I Know What Love Isn't is available now from all good music outlets and the internet. My thanks to Michael Han. Thank you very much, Kieran. And Rebecca. Thanks. What are you up to next week? I um, I seem to have agreed to go to a warehouse rave. Yeah! <laughs> but every time I say I'm going to a warehouse rave, it fills me with terror, so I'm not sure how that's going to go it's been a while where is it hackney wig oh god <laughs> just, just stay home and watch television no, that will i'm very tempted but now i feel i feel like i've agreed to it so yeah, now i have to it'll go it'll be good it'll be fun who's playing who what is it uh planning to rock and telepathy and some other people i've never heard of planning to rock never comes across to me as someone you perhaps want to go out partying to no i know night. it doesn't it, she doesn't quite seem like that does she i wonder if it's going to be a, everyone sitting in a room i'm really worried basically <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be great can you tweet it at, yeah, at Becky nicholson tweet. can we all follow her <laughs> it'll get to three in the morning i'm having the best increasingly <laughs> debauched not having fun at all uh what are you up to any more legends well, coming up uh, do you know do you know there are mr classic rock i'm i am flying to baltimore at the weekend to swap beard care tips with ZZ Top. Wicked. ZZ You're just Top. Taking them off at the moment. I am taking them off at the end of this year. I can, frankly, I'm going to retire. I mean, just, <laughs> who else is the left? But ZZ Top Coon, of course, you should be into given their discovery of the chopped and screwed sound and their cover of DJ DMD's 25 Lighters on their new album. Brilliant. And yeah. it is great. <laughs> is it great? It is great. <laughs> yeah, spawned a generation of scissor slurping. That, that, that is that is easy top for you. There you go. But no, that'll be fun. And I'm going to go and see them play at Merryweather Post Pavilion in 
in Columbia, Maryland on Saturday night. And uh, that should be great. Amazing. Is that what Animal Collective named their album after? That is what Animal Collective named their album after. So they've named their album after a venue? After a venue, after a particularly beloved leafy venue, I believe. Of course. Of course it's leafy. (laughs) Of course it would be. (laughs) So is that it it, then? Is there anyone else left on your list? Well, you know, I'd like to talk to ACDC before the year is out. But, you know, they're not that really keen on being interviewed but we'll see I live in hope I live in hope yeah. um, who, who is on your interviewing bucket list um, if we can call it that well my, my favourite favourite woman of all time is Erica Badu and I've done her so yeah. so you can, you can retire bye 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 <laughs> <laughs> so that really is it my thanks to Michael Han Rebecca Nicholson the Jim Jones Review and Jens Lechman Music Weekly was produced by Matt Hill and we'll be back next week. Bye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio. For a limited period only, we have an exclusive ebook offer for Guardian podcast listeners. Guardian columnist Luke Harding's Mafia State is a dark and ominous insight into the life of a journalist in present-day Russia. We're offering 30% off the list price of 4 99 all you have to do is go to the ebook store www.kobo.com, that's K O B O.com, and at checkout put in the discount code MAFIASTATE for your Guardian podcast offer.